Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, Merry Christmas, guys. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and be the first to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We are so excited that you are here with us today and that you're hanging out on this uh, just a beautiful day for us to be able to celebrate. It's cold in San Diego, which is awesome. So it feels like it's Christmas time a little bit. It can go back to our 70s, you know, on Thursday or whatever. But yes, it has been awesome. But Man, what a beautiful time already for us to be able to celebrate the gift that, that Jesus is to us and being able to, to sing the songs that have passed through the ages and, and do it under candlelight is just such a beautiful reminder this morning. So thank you guys for doing that with us. But we, we just watched this video talking about the gift that Jesus is to us. Do you remember that one gift in your life that changed everything? Right? Do you does, raise your hand if you had one gift like growing up, or maybe it's even recently, maybe it was an engagement ring or something. You had that one gift that like changed the game for you. Anybody in here? I, a couple, a couple of you, maybe. Yeah. Okay. You, your parents need to be better gift givers. What's going on here, man? So I remember the year that my parents bought me my first legit pair of inline skates because I was infatuated with the X Games. And you guys who have been here in San Diego for a while, and, and this is like home, the X Games was my life, but I grew up in New Orleans, so it's a whole different ball game. And I, I just, I dreamed and pictured of a life in California, having no idea that one day I would live here, which is awesome. It's just like a dream come true. But I pictured California being beaches and skate parks and tacos everywhere and it's basically lived up to what I dreamed. Like, just to be honest, it's, all, it's pretty awesome. Like, this is, this is exactly what I pictured it would be. But the year that my parents saved up a bunch of money and they, they bought me my first pair of legitimate inline skates because I had some dinky ones from Walmart and I wore those bad boys out. I was practicing and I was prepared. I knew that me and Tony Hawk were going to be BFFs. I was going to go to the skate park, and he was going to see me and discover me, and life would be different. Like, I just love it. So I, I remember jumping off of everything that I possibly could find. I was building ramps. I actually have a thumb that's shorter than one thumb because I hit it, and apparently I hit a nerve, and it just stopped growing. But it was odd, but there you go. Random fact about me. If I ever die, you can identify my body because I have one thumb that's shorter than the other. There you go. But I would, I would practice and I would go to the grocery store and I would jump off of things. And me and my friends, we did all this stuff and we were so stoked about it and just preparing for the chance when our big break was going to come. And then one day it came. Tony Hawk didn't show up in New Orleans, but we found out that there was a skate park a couple hours away, a few hours away. And so we we hopped in the car. All of our, our parents took the day off and we drove out to the skate park. And we were in heaven. Like, it was everything we hoped it would be. We jumped in the little ramps. I think I did a backflip at one point, And it was like the highlight of my life up until that point until I married you, of course, because it, it couldn't compare to marrying you. But it was awesome. It was just such a great moment. 
And then the time came for me to take on this huge dream of mine, and it was the vert ramp. You know, the vert ramp, the big, it's like the big U that they do all these competitions on. And rumor has it, as I was, I was looking this up, there's a guy in the 70s from Encinitas that found these huge tubes out in the desert in Arizona, and they were skating in those, and he came back home to Encinitas and built one in his front yard, and is, is like his claim to fame is one of the first like vert ramps ever built out here, which is awesome. I'm like, see, you guys are awesome for everything. But I remember I climbed to the top of this 20-foot vert ramp that as a child was massive, so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. And I rolled to the edge, and I looked down, and my moment was there, and I panicked. And I panicked as, as my wheels were hanging over the edge on that grind rail, and I was ready to drop in, and this was going to be it. I was overcome by fear. And I literally sat down with my feet dangling over the edge of this, looking down on the edge of my dream that I was too scared to take on. And I'd like to tell you the, the end of the story was that like, I just had this rush of emotion. I said, Jesus, give me strength. And then I went down. The, no, I was scared to death. And I sat up there for 30 minutes, just hoping and praying that like I would build up the nerve and I didn't. So the best that I could do is I slid down the ramp on my back like I was a child going down a slide. It was super embarrassing. And I remember laying at the bottom of that ramp going, I can't believe this just happened. I cannot believe that I am too scared to do this thing that I've been dreaming about doing now for years. I was happy that none of my other friends were brave enough to do it either. So like we were all freaked out, but it was just this moment where fear defeated my dream. And I wonder, how many of you have ever been there before? Have you ever dreamed of something and it ended up not looking like what you thought it would? Maybe for, for some of you, it was a relationship that you went into that relationship and you pictured it and it was going to be this exact way and, and at the end of the day, it wasn't. And you ended up getting hurt. Or maybe for, for some of you, it was a job. You started that job and it was going well and, and things were happening and then you started dealing with dumb employees and bosses who didn't know what they were doing and frustration built. And this job that was supposed to help fulfill your purpose ended up being a frustration and a pain. Maybe for some of you, it was marriage. You got married and you thought marriage would look a certain way and it, it didn't end up the way that you thought it would. And there's, there's so much more to it than you ever thought it could be. And maybe right now you're sitting here and you're like, this isn't what I signed up for six years ago. This isn't what I signed up for two years ago. This is, man, this is way harder than I thought it would be. Maybe it was a, a financial leap of faith. But when that happens, there's something that creeps into the void between what you dreamed could be and what reality actually gave you. And what creeps into that void between those two things is fear. Fear has this power to take over. And we, we've talked over the, this series, we talked about God in the valley and where he is in those trying, testing moments of our life. We talked about God in the wilderness, where, where's God when we're in that waiting season that feels like it will never end? Where's God on the mountaintop when things are going extremely well? What are we supposed to do then? Like, what are we supposed to do at that moment? But today, I want to talk to you about 
Where is God in our fears? Where is God in our fears? What do we do when we are afraid? What do we do in our life when fear has more control than we ever thought it could have on our lives? And you might be surprised to find out that in the Christmas story, there's this common thread of fear that is dressed, addressed throughout the whole thing. That in each of the characters, you see this common phrase that comes out around fear. We're going to jump into a really familiar text in Luke chapter 1. And we meet this young virgin girl named Mary. She's living her best life, right? Hashtag my best life. She's about to get married. She's engaged. Things are awesome. She's planning the wedding. She's probably getting the dress all ready to go. She's ordering the hors d'oeuvres. It's going to be a party. They party for a long time when it was a wedding. Like they, she was getting excited, you know, maybe practicing her last name, what it's going to look like so she can draw it all pretty. Like she was ready for this moment. And then one day an angel shows up in her house. That's right. An angel shows up. Boof. What's up, Mary? And changes everything. So let's jump into this text that that we are familiar with, but let's see what we can learn from it. Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I love that confused and disturbed. Mary was like, huh, say what? What are you talking about? Where did you come from and what are you talking about? And look what he says. This is a key word. Highlight it, underline it, circle it. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most Hi, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel a really simple question. But how can this happen, seeing how I am a virgin? And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. If you skip to verse 38, it's just a beautiful thing. Mary responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. There's going to be this key phrase that we see in each of those. So we're going to jump in and look at in the gospel of Matthew to see what happened to Joseph, her fiance, who was about to have a bomb dropped on him as well. And in Matthew one, it says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, which just seems odd, like just being honest. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not be what? afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph is going through a normal day, and his his fiance walks into the room and says, baby, I got to tell you something. 
I'm pregnant. To which Joseph, I'm sure, being a man, is like, what? Like, I know I didn't do anything. Who do I have to go and kill? Because somebody's about to die. Well, what is going on? You are, you're engaged to me. And she goes on to say, no, God is the one who put this baby in me. The Holy Spirit came on me, and now I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. Could you imagine men in the room? Ladies maybe be able to understand this. Men in the room. If your wife or fiance walked up to you and said, hey, God gave me a baby and I'm pregnant. Are you, is your immediate response going to be, oh, that makes sense. Cool. No, Joseph was like, and this is how I believe the story has to be true. Because Joseph looks at us and he goes, okay, you're, you're pregnant by God. Right before we're getting married, like this couldn't wait till after, but right before we're getting married and you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Okay, I'm out. Like I'm all kinds of out. I don't know if this is true or if it's not true, but I am out. Because the Bible says Joseph was, he, he, he was done. He had decided to break the engagement quietly. He wanted to honor her. He had compassion. So he didn't want to make a big spectacle of it. He was like, I'm going to quietly step my tail on out of this situation because I don't know what's going on. And an angel comes to him and says, do not be afraid. What she's saying is true. And Joseph, obviously a man of faith, goes, okay, God, I'll do it. I'm in. Let's make this happen. The compassion in him took over. In verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. One last one, super, super quick. Luke 2, we've heard this. Jesus has been born in the manger, and he's wrapped in his little outfit from Carter's, the farm edition. Like, he's all dressed up, ready to go. And it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, what? Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, and you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in Carter's farm edition, snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. Mary, do not be afraid. Joseph, do not be afraid. Shepherds, do not be afraid. This theme of fear all throughout, and God reminding these people who obviously had faith in him, hey, don't fear. I've got you. Did you know that the phrase fear not or do not fear is one of the most used phrases in the Bible? Depending on the translation, it's anywhere from 100 to 300 times. Some people say that there's 365, 366 times that fear is addressed in the Bible because Jesus wanted us to have one for every day. I'm not saying that's 100% true, but there's a lot about fear in the Bible. Why? Why do you think God determined that we would wrestle with fear the most? And it's this point on the screen, and I, and I believe this is so true. God addresses this so many times because God calls us to take steps that change our lives dramatically. There are things in our life that God calls us to step out of, to step into, that requires faith, and it requires us to move past the fears that may 
hold on to our life. Just, just think about these three people involved. Think about Mary. Mary is a young virgin girl who is now has to go and communicate with everyone in this culture. Yes, I'm pregnant. Yes, I'm getting a baby bump. But I promise you, I didn't sleep with Joseph and I didn't sleep with anybody else. Messiah, the God, the son of God is in my belly. Could you imagine how crazy that would be? in that culture to try to explain. Think about Joseph, who Joseph has to come alongside of her and say, she's telling the truth, we're gonna have a baby and it's not mine, it's God's. Could you imagine what they're walking through? The shepherds, this changed their life dramatically because the shepherds were disrespected, they were forgotten people, they were seen as below everyone else, they were sent out to the fields to be gross and stank and not have anything to do with anybody else. And here these shepherds run into town and they say, the host of heaven opened up and announced to us lowly forgotten people, he announced to us that God is born as a baby and the Messiah is here. It would be un, you, you just couldn't understand it in this culture. What was happening around them? And God looks at them and he says, fear not, do not be afraid. I'm with you, I've got you. What you're hearing is the truth. God told them to fear not because he was about to change everything they ever knew about their lives and about their hope for the future and about the way they would live their life. God, when he saves our soul, he changes everything. Our lives are changed dramatically. He calls us to do things sometimes that will scare us to death. And he says, fear not, have faith, I am with you. I heard someone say recently that God's love language is trust. It's not acts of service. It isn't gifts. It isn't words of affirmation that God's love language is trust, that he desperately wants more than anything for us to trust him. Everything that Jesus did on earth, everything that he's doing now in our lives is to build us a bridge that connects us with God and builds a relationship that we can have trust with him trust in him, trust that he is with us and he is for us. The ultimate gift, as we saw in that opening video, is that we could be in a relationship with our creator through Jesus and have trust in him. Think about it. Now do me a favor. Don't elbow your neighbor. Don't elbow your spouse. Don't, no looks. But have you ever been in a relationship where there was total trust? I'm watching you. Don't do it total trust, that no matter what happened, no matter what the situation was, that you had trust in them. Maybe, I'm not going to go there. We're just going to leave it alone. But the trust is there. What happens when that trust is there? That relationship becomes unshakable. Anything that touches that relationship, anything that comes against that relationship, anything, any words, any situations, no matter what happens, the foundation is so strong when trust is there. And that's what God is trying to build with us. That no matter what happens in our life, that our foundational trust in him does not waver. 
We may not understand it. We may not get it. It may be crazy. It may be bigger than we ever thought. It may be harder than we ever thought. But God goes, if you trust me, our relationship will be unshakable and I will be there with you. And this reminds me so much of, of my life verse. My life verse is Joshua 1.9. And I'll read it for you in just a second. But I love this story in, in the Old Testament, in the beginning of the Bible, because Joshua was a guy that was following in the footsteps of Moses, the Moses. And so he is, he is there. He is going to, to lead these people through. They've gone through the desert. They've been there for 40 years, and they're about to go into this promised land that God had been talking about. But Moses wasn't going to go, and Joshua was going to be the dude that led them into it. Listen to what God says to Joshua, and and just listen to the key words that are there. Joshua 1, starting in verse 5. This is God speaking to him. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Some of you need to write that down. Keep that right in front of you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Here we go again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why did God say it so many times? You ready? This is a super deep theological process. You may need like six days to chew on it for a minute. He said it so many times because he was afraid. He said it to him, be strong and courageous because he's looking at the heart of Joshua and he's going, bro, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. And then do this and do this. Be strong and courageous. And then do this and this. Joshua, for the love, be strong and courageous. I am with you. I will not abandon you. Be strong and courageous. He says that, be strong and, and, and courageous. Do not fear concerning what I've promised you because I will not fail you. Be strong and courageous about what I commanded because as you do what I call you to do, you will not fail. You will see my hand at work. Do be strong and courageous where I am. Wherever you are, no matter what you're facing, I am with you. Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I tried to do like this deep study on the words because there had to be something else there. There's nothing deep or philosophical. It's just real simple. Be strong and really, really courageous. God's like, bro, I've got you. I'm with you. And I wonder how many times God is saying that to us. And here's why God is so passionate about this. This is a note. This is something to take into the new year. You can, you can feed your fear or you can feed your faith, but you can't feed both. You can only feed one or the other. And God is looking at Joshua and he's saying, don't feed your fear. I know this task is so big for you, but feed your faith. I'm with you. You can only feed one 
or the other. In our lives, we have complete control over who we are feeding. And every time I think about this, I think about our youngest daughter, Audrey, because she goes through these little seasons where she just doesn't want to eat at all. But we understand that if she doesn't eat and she goes to bed, she is going to be a terror in the middle of the night. Like literally this week, she wouldn't eat for the whole day, except little pickings here and there. And she broke out of her crib. She snuck downstairs. She went into the freezer and started eating a frozen waffle. I'm like, what are we doing here? We've been feeding you all day and you break out of your crib to go eat a frozen waffle. We get to choose what we feed. If you're not a parent yet, let that be a warning. You better know that you know that you are ready to have a baby because they take over everything. You will no longer sleep, ever. Like even when they get a little bit older, it's like, oh, it's gonna be awesome. No, they break out of their cribs and eat frozen waffles in the middle of the night. We choose who gets fed in our lives. We can feed our faith or we can feed our fear. That's it, that's the choice. You don't get to give each of them. Our faith is either growing in what God says, our trust is growing in him, or our fear is taking control and holding us back from what he wants to do in our lives. I have to get to this quickly because as I was reading the Christmas story again, I felt like God kind of highlighted this this passage for me, and I really wanted to share this with you. Mary had just finished with the angel. They Joseph and, and her had had their little conversation, and Mary's like, I need to just go ahead and get out of town and go visit a relative of mine. And so she heads out in Luke chapter 1, and it says this, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house, and she greeted Elizabeth, her relative. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth gave a glad cry, and she exclaimed to Mary. Mary hadn't even said anything yet. God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. The baby in her womb was John the Baptist. In verse 45, this is what just stood out to me so much. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. This really stood out to me because Mary, regardless of what she was about to walk through, regardless of the situation that she was facing, she believed God would do what he said he would do. And I felt like that was a word for me. I felt like it was a word for you as we step into this new year. You and I have to get to a place where we believe God will do what he said he was going to do. Our lives will be blessed when we believe God will do what he said he would do. When we feed our faith instead of our fear. Look at this, this last quote here. In our lives, God's responsibility is the outcome. My responsibility is obedience. And what you and I do, and, and maybe, again, you guys may not struggle with this. Maybe it's just me. But what I struggle with is that I want to control the outcome. 
I want to go into a situation and I want to outthink it and I want to work harder than it and I want to pray about it and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my hands to work and, and I'm going to make the situation and the outcome happen the way that I think it should happen in my mind. And what happens is I get so busy trying to control the outcome that I don't obey what God has told me to do. Again, you guys maybe don't struggle with that. But God is saying to us this morning, my responsibility is the outcome. When your trust and your faith is in me, the responsibility to see how it's going to play out and what's going to happen is no longer in your hands. Our responsibility is super simple. What did God say to do? Okay, I think I need to do that. Then do it. Our responsibility is obedience to those things that God is calling us to do. And when we do that, the outcome becomes his responsibility. God's way is so unique and so simple, but it's powerful because he simply wants our trust and our obedience. And then he promises to handle the rest. With Mary, with Joseph, with the shepherds, with Joshua. Hey, I want you to go and do this. I will handle the rest. And they did what he said. And they were blessed because they believed God would do what he said he would do. When we come before God and he said, God, God, I'm going to trust you to do what you're telling me to do. And we can pray this way. God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Will you hold up your end of the bargain? God, I'm going to try my very best to just obey what it is that you're asking me to do. Will you handle the outcome? Because I can't do it on my own. I don't know about you, but every time I get my hands into the outcome, something worse happens. And I end up further from what God wanted me to do. And then I have to backtrack and go all the way back. I'm like, if I would have obeyed you from the first spot, I wouldn't end up in this random place. And the final challenge for us today The final challenge for us as we wrap up 2019 as a church, how different would our lives look if we truly trusted God? How different would our lives look if we just simply said, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. It doesn't make sense. I feel like I'm being inactive. I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. You're asking me in this season, God's, for some of you, God's asking you to just wait and stay close to him and just pray and be patient. And we're like, patience is not my spiritual gift. I'm ready to move forward. And God's like, no, I want you to chill. Rest in me and watch me go to work. If we do that, God controls the outcome, not us. We don't outpace what we're prepared to do. And our challenge today, our challenge as we wrap up this year, my prayer for us as a church as we go into 2020 is it will be marked by the way we trust God. It will be marked by the way we obey what he's asking us to do. I'll be honest, there's, there's some things that, that God has put on our hearts for, for 2020 And it scares me to death because I don't know how it works. I don't know how it plays out. I don't know exactly how the pieces are going to come together. I don't know how the right people are going to lead the right situations. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm looking at God and I'm going, 
bro, you told me to trust you, so I'm trusting you. This is what you're telling me to do, so I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I know how this is going to look if you let me do that. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want you to do this. This is, this is my heart. This is my vision. This is my passion for this church. And I'm like, God, I've never done that before. He's like, good. That's exactly where I want you to be. Trust me and obey what I'm asking you to do. And when we do that, God controls the outcome. It's his responsibility. As we pray today, are you ready to pray the prayer that that Mary prayed? Let it be done just as the Lord says. I'm in. Mary looks at the angel and she says, I'm in. Let it be done. Let what the Lord said is going to happen, happen. I'm sure it's going to be crazy, and it's going to be an adventure for the books. But God, I'm in, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to obey. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I pray over the next moment that you would just remind us that you would bring to remembrance those things that you wanted us to hear today. God, in all of the things that we, we've heard and all of the different stories and the challenges, I pray that what you would do is exactly what you showed me as I was reading this story that's so familiar, that you just showed me those, those simple words of Elizabeth, that you're blessed because you believe God would do what he said he would do. So Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, I pray that you, for every person in this room, that you would bring back to their remembrance what it is that you wanted them to hear today. For some of you in the room, the step that you need to take, that trust and that obedience that you need to have is, is by beginning that relationship with Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you haven't taken that step. And in front of you, there's a card in your seat that just simply says, I have decided. And if you're ready to take that step, to say, Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life. We'd ask you to just fill out that card super quick and check one of those boxes that says, I've decided to ask Jesus to be the leader of my life or I'm rededicating my life to Jesus you can fill that card out privately and you can drop it in the black box right by the front door. And we want to be able to meet with you. Go, go grab coffee and just talk to you about that decision and give you the opportunity to begin that relationship with Jesus. But maybe for the rest of us, I don't feel like God put this message on our heart because it just was me that needed to hear it. I think for all of us, we have to trust the outcome to God and lean into obedience. So God, we pray right now in this moment that you would just allow our trust and our faith in you to increase in the name of Jesus. That as we look at the end of this year, as we reflect on what's happening, as we look at 2020, God, as we look at that, that we would just decide in this moment, in this season, 
and whatever we're facing and whatever confusion we're in and whatever strain, whatever fear is trying to grip our life and whatever we are in, in this moment, God, we decide now that we trust you. God, if your love language is trust, let us love you better than we've ever loved you before. It doesn't mean we have the answers. It doesn't mean that we wake up tomorrow morning and poof, everything's just all good. God, in this moment, in this season, we trust you. We open our hands to you. We open our lives to you. We open our hearts to you. And we say, God, you be the leader. We trust the outcome to you. And we believe that you will do what only you can do. Lord, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus in just a couple days, remind us of the gift that a relationship with you truly means. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Your love for us is so much better than we deserve. Your plan for our life is so much greater than we can imagine. And the purpose that you've placed in each and every one of us is so incredibly rich. So God, we trust you. We put our hope and our faith in you. For those today who are making that decision to put their, their trust in you and they're filling out that card and they're dropping it off, God, I pray that you would just let them know that it's the best decision they've ever made in their life. That their hope and their strength and their purpose is found in you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.